name's Elena, also known as Pre-Swerve. I'm here with Let's Not Pretend podcast, uh, a podcast that's basically revolved around music and culture. Really quickly, can I get everyone just to say their names and then what they do? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm Terrence. I do the vocals and synths, electronics, tapes, noise, stuff like that. Uh, I'm Steven. Uh, I am the uh, drummer, uh, percussion, um, and, you know, occasionally electronics, uh, sound. It's just sound. Sounds. <laughs> Sounds. And I'm Andre, and I do guitars, sometimes field recording, sometimes some other things. Mostly guitars, though. Okay, mostly guitars. So we have a little bit, I mean, when you first listen to your music, uh, it isn't until like a little bit later where you really start paying attention where I'm noticing those electronic parts. I, I normally think of it as just metal or just noise. So it's awesome to see that we have those tape loops and also those um, field recordings that also are involved with some of your records. Um, so we have a bunch of different things. We have three members. And Lokion, let's just go into what kind of music that you guys identify with or what you want to call your band. That's tough. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're kind of coming at it in just a lot of different ways. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's not always metal. Um, there are a lot of electronics. Um, so it's definitely um, eclectic. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's not... It doesn't really drone that much, even though we're kind of associated with that. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. have much what I would associate with drone, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's weird. I would say, I would, I would say um, we have a lot of influences, um, mm -hmm. a, a, different genres. I mean, it kind of runs the gamut. Um, but we're, you know, it's... It's tough to say, uh, but it's, you know, it's experimental metal. Um, yeah. uh, and, and every release is different. So, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. So sometimes I would, <laughs> I guess I would say uh, sometimes it's more like maybe we're trying to structure a story. And so we're like, let's look at a black metal influence for this part of the story, but we might be referencing you know, like a King Crimson or like a harsh noise kind of thing or like, I, so I mean, for us, it's like, what's best for the overarching narrative. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that can, that just leads us into these different passages that might be kind of kraut rock or might be kind of noise, might be kind of metal, might be a bunch of field recordings. Um, but but Terrence, um, just imagine I'm a I'm a guy who works at a record shop, and I have oh, to you I, can I, file I, it somewhere. I have to file it somewhere. Where is it, does it go under metal? Does it go under uh, experimental? Does it go under pop? Where does it go? It's probably going <laughs> under. It's it's probably going under metal just because of the yeah. our associations, I guess. But that's yeah. true. Plus, I think metal's true. gotten. It's always been really broad, I think, but the gatekeeping's yeah. kept it very it's, it's narrow. It's huge. It's, it's huge, huge now. Yeah. Now I think yeah. metal, yeah. kind of the last 20 or 30 years, has just kind of expanded yeah. and included lots of things to maybe yeah. some people's chagrin. But 
you know, I think that that's kind of how it has been. It's just like that something was maybe a subgenre on the periphery that now is maybe a focus that, you know, yeah. yeah. So I, probably I, under metal. <laughs> I would, I'd categorize this under metal and I, and this mm-hmm. actually, I direct this to all um, record store managers and buyers um, <laughs> that we should be filed under metal. Um, you know set it by himself we're we're not um you know we get you know coined as like drone um but Mm -hmm. there you wouldn't really say it's too much um no or like post-rock you know like uh, i mean that's that's pretty vague you know like post-rock yeah what's that mean I mean, that's yeah, it that's, seems that's like tough. genres in general. Like, when you think of that it term is, genre and the way you approach it, it doesn't yeah. seem like when I think of one, I, even if you get very niche and you get very specific, it's always going to involve a lot of different sounds. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, um, you know, I would say, yeah, just definitely metal. And if there's a subcategory, like a, a CD or LP card, I guess I'd put avant garde. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Sure. That's just an easy lane. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? That? Can we call it post-modernity post-modernity rock? Yeah. Modern rock. Yeah. I love that actually. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, the, I I don't think we actually don't really spend that. I think it's kind of an interest. I mean, it's interesting yeah. to me because I don't think we spend a lot of time thinking about it. We're just kind of no. making the thing I yeah. we might obviously will reference like, oh, we we you know, what if there's this kind of thing? um from music history or whatever our influences but for the most part we're not really kind of intentionally like and even if we are we're like let's do this but then let's make it messed up and do it with this i don't know yeah Yeah. i don't know it's not as it's It's not like oh yeah yeah it's always entertaining to read or find out what people what reviewers or just people are categorized as it's funny to hear yeah. some of them so but and and i mean i respect it you know yeah you know but yeah, um, yeah. i see and i want i think me a lot of that is really just to help identify what you think sure. you might want to attach yourself with yeah. uh so from what i've read on some of these previous interviews in your general sense of what you've also just said very quickly would you say when you're creating these things you're approaching it more with what are those concepts or themes that I want to share rather than specific sounds? Are you going into the studio and are you saying, okay, I want to sound like this? Or do you come in with those concepts and themes and then it naturally uses those sounds? Both. D, all of the above. <laughs> every every record's different. It, so it, it, it depends. Yeah, it all depends. Like Sometimes it's like, you know, on New Catastrophism, we were wanting to kind of make like a ambient-ish drone approach but it got structured and there are songs and there are riffs and you know we kind of welcome it i think i think it's like you know rather than stick to some our own narrow preconceived idea something that we've maybe practiced and rehearsed can completely shift and i think it's like to be open to you know, we were there, then you hear something different. You're inspired for a different mood or a different approach. And, and yeah, like you were saying earlier, it is like we have a story or an overarching theme or a mood. How does something feel and how do we enhance it or contrast it with something else? So it just kind of flips, you know, between a lot of 
genre influences and you know we're pretty avid music listeners across multiple genres between the three of us so we're often sharing stuff with each other and kind of turning each other on to different music anyway so it's kind of like finding something and i don't know yeah i think it's all of it depending on the record you know okay yeah, i see yeah, yeah yeah some some you know records were we like terrence is saying we rehearse and practice stuff for a while and mm-hmm. write things um but then there's some records that it uh that wasn't necessarily necessary um yeah. you know there's a there's a lot of improv uh, involved in some of our records and in, in quite a bit of them actually um uh which is a good thing and it's mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that i don't i have i haven't done too much i mean i've done with others other projects or bands or whatever but um not like this i mean it's this it's it's yeah it just depends it depends on the record i guess terrence summed it up pretty yeah. well i didn't need to say anything we probably have more of an approach to things and i think to me our approach is probably aligned with what some of the 70s prog rock bands how they approached music like king crimson and yes would pull from uh their classical influences or their jazz influences mm-hmm. um and for us our influence like the template that we're pulling from they're from different kind of categories and when we approach those categories if it's like black metal for instance we'll often talk about like all right well what if something is too it seems like it's too uh much falling within the traditional rubric of what black metal sounds like we'll usually do something to uh modify the template so we'll do things like um Mm -hmm. have the guitars be clean rather than distorted or uh we'll we'll have a blast beat go over clean guitar parts so there there are these elements of uh, of metal but then we make it kind of uh weird i guess is is what what, what i think we usually try to do um and and there are times when Mm -hmm. we do groan um and i think that's something that you know we all love uh you know playing beautiful drones and harsh drones sometimes and uh that's something that i think we'll continue doing um but i i feel like you know the template it's just like kind of evolving and and when we we always approach things by looking at things through um we've often looked at things through like what is the statement that we're trying to make if it's an album or a seven inch Mm -hmm. Um, we we kind of approach it like that. So now we're approaching thinking about our next album, and it's going to be very different from New Catastrophism. Um, mm, okay, so you're already starting to work on. Oh yeah. Oh, I see. Cool, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And okay, okay. So yeah, let's talk about that actually. So you just <laughs> came out with um in 2022, most sure. recently your recent album, um New Catastrophism. What? uh i mean let's let's talk a little bit about that um what are those themes since you guys are approaching music in a thematic conceptual way uh, at least for some other previous records right um is this whole true for this record yeah i mean the process was a, a little bit different in that we went in without really any not many preconceived songs we kind of wrote them briefly apart and then maybe one day of practicing before we went in and recorded the record 
with an idea of making kind of something um, that was more long form or longer form than that we've made, uh, you know, in the last you know, seven years ago or eight years ago, whatever. And I think, you know, the theme kind of came together um, around, you know, kind of different like environmental catastrophes and um, science fiction and kind of like conflating these two things together. Um, and uh, I, th I, th I think it really kind of painted this really bleak, kind of this really bleak picture sonically and um and it was strange in a way because we had kind of shelved temporarily shelved what we had been riffing on and working on which now mm -hmm. starting last summer and finishing in about a month or so we um have returned to some of those ideas and embellished upon them and um really been focusing on that which is maybe a little bit more song oriented and uh um, definitely and definitely i'd say more of those metal influences although i think there's moments of it on uh the most recent record but i think that um sonically there's a little bit more deliberate um thrash or doom or black metal-y kind of parts um there's, on this there's, there's more riffs it's more riffs. So I'm saying this is more riffs. On the new one. Yeah. More notes, actually. I'm <laughs> playing a lot notes. of notes, which yeah. is usually. It's more notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think that, um, that there's, on this new one, uh, the story is kind of still evolving a little bit and coming together. Um, and, uh, you know, it's similar in a way, but kind of a different perspective about uh, the really happy topics that we tend to focus on, like humanity's extinction and environmental catastrophes and Ex collapse. Extinction, and, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those yeah. happy thoughts. Yeah, the new reality currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Is it similar when you guys are creating these stories is it similar to writing a book or something or these other sort of artistic mediums how is it a story that you're creating what is it about the music approach um that you guys have tackled that make that story making a little bit different than other forms way easier <laughs> <laughs> writing a book sucks and um uh, have you tried it before i've written i've written oh yeah there um, we go but uh i and and it's obviously different i uh, there's two other voices that i have to work with two other collaborators that bring so much to the table with their instrumentation but also conceptually like you know yeah um it's it just makes it so much easier to like paint a sonic picture than use language and give people like an emotional kind of landscape of what you want them to see with sound and you know as like the lyricist you don't i don't have to write that many lyrics i it already the the scenes already kind of laid out and um 
I, you know. I've noticed that about your music, and I just wanted to ask that as well. Is that lyric making process? I guess that was the focus I was trying to ask about. Uh, so, is it just you who does the lyrics, or do all three of you come together, write some separately, and maybe what's that lyrical process basically? Um, it's me. I sh- is it I just share- you? I have like a document, and I'll, everyone can see it too. So, we tend to kind of like again it's like we're trying to make this mood so we all have to kind of be on somewhat of the same page and whatnot and and there's always a period where we're sharing a lot of books and references in science or science fiction or just things we're kind of like reading that we thought were relevant and then we'll start to fold that in in some way or like specific references to different philosophers or certain mm-hmm. authors like Samuel Delaney or whoever, but mm-hmm. um, or J.G. Ballard with the crystal world and stuff. So it's kind of like a process, but yeah, it's normally me. And I think I used to kind of go away and come back with lyrics, but now I'm like writing while we're there. Like I'm kind of like, they're rough, but I'll be writing the lyrics while the music's happening. And I'll be kind of like putting it together. Cause you're trying to find the tempo a little bit. And then mm-hmm. I'll I'll take a little more time to refine it and just kind of maybe like while we're like Steven or Andre's working on something else, kind of listen and kind of find that pattern and where does it go? And a lot of it will be like, or all of a sudden Andre or Steve might be like, hey, there's something should happen here with vocals. Like there should be something here, something there. And yeah, so they're still yeah. putting in their input. Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> like I wouldn't even have thought of anything and, and they'll suggest something. And, and there is that still that like, well, it, well, if it's like a raging metal part, these vocals should be sung. Like we should mess with people's expectations or mess with our ex our expectations of what whatever this thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, where it would be traditional to kind of like put those vocals up front and put them, you know, right in the you know, like put them in the background and throw a ton of reverb on them or um, have it be sung when it you'd expect it to be screamed or vice versa yeah, or whispered, yeah. spoken. Like you know. I, two I octaves, think, hi, two octaves higher, right? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I have a lot of. I was really inspired by <laughs> by Def Leppard's Hysteria and just like having an octavizer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I mean, like, it's it is just like another instrument. So sometimes the vocals they're just like guttural, weird sounds, and like I'm not trying to say anything. There's no words. Um, and, you know, even on Return to Annihilation, there's like a whole five minutes where it doesn't sound like there's any lyrics, but there's like pages of lyrics that go that are all just kind of being gutturally whispered in the background. I and love we, that part. And we bury them in there. But it's like I have people ask me, like, where do these come in? And I'm like, oh, they're there. They're <laughs> <laughs> in there. You know, it's like, you know, you want to give people you know who are paying attention like something interesting and and yeah, for me it's absolutely. like i want to i want to be excited like i want to have i want to do things that like i haven't done before or that i haven't heard before that i'm like that could be interesting to do it this way so yeah it's interesting you want to create these sort of subtle anomalies and then you're still able to keep that structure of like that regular sound you want or that consistent sound you still yeah. want in those songs yeah. yeah it's interesting because of, I, I mean that's one thing i really like about the uh music is those i like the hush sort of vocals you can't really hear entirely but they're yeah. still prominent in a weird way 
Yeah. Um, when you're thinking of those yeah. songs that are, say, like 10 minutes long, for example, uh, Incomplete Map of Voids, yeah. which is my favorite song off the new um, record, is you have most of it for like eight minutes. No, I don't know how long. Most of it is just instrumental, and then it goes into those vocals. Yeah. What <laughs> is... When you're when you're thinking about music, what is it about the instrumental part that affects the concept or the product um, differently than the vocals? What are the vocals adding that might be different than the instrument, or is it what what is what are those distinctions, or how do they co become a cohesive song? That's a good question. To me, I think we're always talking about dynamics. Like we're always trying to have the the story evolve. Where if we're adding something, we're acting like, well, what is the what is the role of that that thing there? If it's the vocals or the guitars. Like for me, the more that I'm developing as a musician, I'm trying to pull from like a larger sonic palette. Like when we started out, I had like a couple pedals and my 5150 amplifier, so like a distorted tone and a clean tone. And now I'm playing with all of like these different kind of um, these weird pedals to get different dynamics that will add something to the narrative um, of the music. And so that's something that I'm really like for me, I'm really trying to emphasize in our in, in the last recording and in the, in the upcoming uh, ones. And I think we approach like the, the percussion and the electronics, all of yeah. them from that from that same type of perspective. Um, and sometimes we just like to repeat things for a while because <laughs> it's the choice that we make. Yeah, um, we're going yeah. for like that feeling, uh, like uh, when you have like a hard repeat on certain tracks, then it, it, there's all sorts of different emotions that that can get at. Like some of it, it like tends to feel like claustrophobic to me. Like there's the yeah. King Crimson song uh, mm. "Discipline" that's just like a very repetitive song. Uh, and it just feels like very dissonant by the end and it feels like super unsettling to me when I listen to that. So sometimes that's what we're going for, but it's always, um, it depends on, on what kind of narrative we're trying to tell in, in the song and in an album. And I uh -huh, think, for sure. I think, I think with the last one too, it's like, you know, what, like in the moment, like a, a drifty improvisation, suddenly the, we build a structure and we hear it and it's like there's that break like an incomplete map of voids it's like you have this kind of an intro into the song and i think it's you know a surprise it kind of happens you know and i think um you know when you when that occurs it's exciting like and and then you start having those decisions of like, well, where do the vocals go? And, you know, I think that's one of those contrasting moments. I think Andre has a very clean line and it builds and gets heavier towards the end. Um, and finding those spots for those vocals that kind of are not where you'd expect them in a different way or whatever. Um, and there's like a drum machine and yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's like a really cool you know, kind mm -hmm. of development for us. And, and then a lot of it is just, you know, use things kind of sparingly and, and it kind of has a bigger impact. Like don't have, you know, the vocals kind of, there's no vocals for a long time. And I think that makes it more interesting. Like you're listening for like, where is it going or whatever. Um, although maybe not on that record, cause there's not many, <laughs> it's only two songs of real like vocals, but you know, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. You know? um, and I, and to me it's, 
you know, they, they don't have to sing over everything. I think it's like the hardest part of working with vocal with a vocalist sometimes, right? Is that maybe, you know, the song needs space and room. And then we have those, where do you put those verses? And is there a chorus or repeat? I mean, we don't really traditionally have those. We have it from a few songs, but you know, yeah. it's like, where's the recapitulation and, um is that like a sung or screamed moment i don't know there's a lot of like definite deliberation i mean at least that's what i go through <laughs> like i'm you know like i'm like i don't know if it's the right place you know but in the end the end it works out like there's there's you know yeah. three of us kind of all thinking and and contributing and talking and where should this go as it feel like with what's mm-hmm. happening and stuff so it is you know an important conversation and you know I don't really go in with any preconceived. I'll have like notes kind of yeah, uh-huh. saved, but I don't like going like, oh, I need to sing on. This is my, this is my hit guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, my 15 minute hit. Yeah. You know, like. And <laughs> you guys have, you guys have mentioned this aspect, that improv aspect and stuff, and then going into the studio and sort of figuring out what works. I'm really curious though. You met, we've talked about this and we continue to talk about the narrative aspect. There are three different humans here three different humans and three different humans all have a subjective experience of what that narrative is going to feel like for them. So as three different individuals with your own experiences of those narratives, how do you find that cohesiveness as a band um, in those records? Hmm. Well, (laughs) I know it's kind of a hard question. I I think um, (laughs) I for some, it it clicks with us. It, mm-hmm. We all, the three of us, work really well together when we're placed in that situation. Um, and I mean, it, it's pretty amazing, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like in the past, we have our record. You know, like the records in the past, uh, like gone into the studio with maybe forty percent of the material, like we know what we're going to be doing okay um, yeah. but then the rest of it will this create in the studio will like improvise mm-hmm. um you know and it's not always that percentage but it's just like you know right. it's an example but um yeah it's uh i think we all know what we're trying like what we're trying to get to mm-hmm. um sound wise um for the most part you know they're they're you know we're only human so there's there are some times where it's where, where there's hiccups and we're unsure <laughs> yeah. but, uh, like one of us is or well, that's just of them, part of the avant-garde um, nature of but um uh, yeah it's I mean, yeah. it is it's pretty it's pretty incredible um mm-hmm. i think that we were we've been able to do this um and and, and i think do it well um I don't know. That's all I really got on that one. Sorry, guys. No, I think I think that's. I mean, <laughs> I think you're right. It's like, yeah. I think oftentimes, I mean, I know a lot of bands just operate differently. Like, there's bands there's like one person who writes everything, kind of dictates mm-hmm. to everybody, and that band works that way. And I think for us, mm-hmm. I do not think that would work for the three of us if one person was like, "I'm in charge, and this is the song, and you play it eight times." And then you do, it's like, yeah. you know, that yeah. that would just not. That's not the band that we are. Um, and you know, I think for us, it's very much like 
well, we have an idea, maybe something we've demoed. And then in the studio, we're like, what if something else happens rather than the thing that we've all been sitting with? Okay. And then it's just kind of like, that's a cool idea. And I think most of us, it's always like, let's give it a try. Like, that sounds cool. Like, everyone's just like, I'll do that. Like, let's try it this way. So I think it kind of, and then, you know, but we've been together for a while, so we have some yeah, pretty, it's been... pretty good communication at the moment. I'm just kind of like, you know, especially when we record, you know, it's definitely, or we're making an album, it's definitely a lot more of like influences, ideas, you know, everything's going in. We're trying to yeah. organize it together yeah. just because it puts us on the same page and makes it a little bit easier to go in the studio and, and, create and you know like think of it like it's an art studio you know like where mm. we're, ma- we're making something you know that at the end of it we're gonna we'll shape it we're gonna shape it into something else you know i mean we have a lot of ideas like in a bag like in a bag you know like like andre has all kinds of riffs that he, he like <laughs> records and sends and parents <laughs> does too just even if they're like iphone recording <laughs> yeah nice like, just anything like there's so we can always we always i mean there, there's yeah. so many even if they're yeah. like you know 20 seconds long or they're like seven yeah, minutes yeah. long it's it's we, we have a ton of stuff that we can um choose and from, it'll, it'll come up we'll be like hey that yeah demo from 2017 or whatever like yeah and then all yeah. of a sudden it's like that's the song like <laughs> why do we not hear it then like we hear yeah. it now and then like yeah. someone's been listening to it and then has the, a, mel- a harmony or has another yeah. Rhythm, yeah and it's like then it then we're off and and that's all it takes like that's really like that'll be like the the, gl- the thing that kind of the impetus to kind of get the thing moving right you know? right um so it's 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 been really interesting yeah Uh, yeah i think that just attests to the nature of music in the sense that if you just hear one sound it evokes that thinking of okay what else goes with that yeah Uh, is it that you three did you listen to similar music growing up do you have that same music um taste or what is it that you think brought all three of you together and still made you stick? Because a lot of bands, I mean, they don't stick for that long. And you guys have been together for <laughs> since, was it 2009 or 2008? Around there, yeah. Yeah, 2009, Andre, is that the first show? And No, 2005. 2005? <laughs> I, mean, I know where four yeah. years just went. We, uh, <laughs> it, it, it first, uh, you know, Terrence and I met and we connected on a shared... Uh, like we grew up in the hardcore scene and the punk scene. Okay. We had this like shared interest in certain punk bands. Yeah. Um, and super obscure Canadian hardcore that like made like one record and broke up. Like that was kind of like our our thing. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was exactly. Inspiration. I would like have these metal nights at my old apartment in Chicago, and Terrence would come over and we'd listen to like I don't know like Voivod and weird like we whatever metal that we were we were into, but like very eclectic kind of like to me forward thinking metal and we played for a few years and we were like well we talked about having a drummer and we did an album with a drummer <laughs> uh, territories but uh, you know uh, that was uh meant to be an an album with him and we we talked about like who would be right um for yeah. us and you know then we connected with steven because we i was a big huge a fan of his stuff and uh this group haptic which yeah. is uh, I would describe it as being like more like experimental, minimalist, mm-hmm. 
uh, experimental kind of stuff. And, um, you know, yeah. Steven is just like an amazing drummer. Like, unlike 90% of the drummers out there, and, and this is no offense to most drummers, but most drummers don't know when not to play. Uh, it, it's like singers. <laughs> they don't know when to shut up, you know? Like, yeah. like even in between songs, they're still talking. You're like, you don't need to say anything. You're ruining <laughs> everyone's experience. But I'm good at stopping. He's great at playing. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you know when we. I, I think we do. Ironically, so Andre and I had that background, but then all of us had this kind of as we came together and really made the Crystal World record. That was when the three of us. That was 2008 around there. I think that was the day that I was thinking. 2010. About. <laughs> Don't ask me about any dates. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, but uh, I, I think then we realized that our influences from metal, well, obvious, that was like a really, we kind of were Voivod, um, a, a lot of like, you know, suffocation, different kind of death metal that we were excited yeah. about. Um, and a lot of experimental bands like Sun or Connate um, mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And you know, American black metal bands and stuff that we were all kind of like excited about, mm. but also further back into Prague, that was like a really important thing for all of us. Um, mm -hmm. Different, different bands and different, um, you know, I grew up listening a lot of Yes and, and then got into King Crimson, but like, you know, uh, Genesis and, you know, yeah. So I think like there was this kind of like very experimental palette and then, you know the like weird jazz stuff that kind of fit in there to the kraut rock thing and you know i don't know mm -hmm. i mean yeah but it was yeah. like i mean we have these shared experiences like we listen to a lot of the same stuff that steven does he just doesn't have like the he didn't grow up in the in the like um uh the 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 90s he's you know uh he didn't oh, the, hardcore the, the hardcore thing the hardcore yeah, thing. yeah. And, you know yeah. that's yeah. that's good for him i mean my uh, I don't know my hardcore my hardcore is like uh agnostic front and like pro mags i <laughs> yeah. mean i don't yeah, know is that, that like, great too I mean, rules now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah it, it's and i think yeah. too i mean andre and i so i'll I'll kind of go back to that. The hardcore thing was more because most hardcore is really bad and derivative. And that was like to us, like, why are all these bands sounding the same or, or, and yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I think that was kind of for us, it was more like, you know, or even like that early period of death metal where you had, like, if you put your, like, like, you know, like step back, like, and don't accept what is the genre that, obituary death deicide um all come from and you're like that is not the same they sound nothing alike they're doing all different things right or cannibal corpse or whatever right like none of it there's certain things that fit but they're all really different but that's death metal it doesn't make any sense it's not very like that is exciting like this idea that like everyone's kind of defined by a differing characteristic rather than a similar characteristic right? yeah yeah you know? i like the way that's there yeah that's... you know and i i think to us that was like the inspiration to like well we should do something that's inspired by all these things that we like but not sound like any of any of that stuff does that yeah. make sense 
Makes sense mm. to me. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, to me, it's like it's uh, the, 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 our group sounds the way we are because we emerged in the context of many different Chicago music scenes. And, you know, we're interested in many of those scenes. Like in Chicago, you have this, you know, the experimental scene. You have many experimental scenes in Chicago. You've got yeah. a jazz scene. You've got this this metal scene. And we were, uh, you know, we would be hanging around the empty bottle. Uh, one of the one of the major clubs in Chicago, all you know, all the time in the mid two thousands, um, and we would see stuff that was like radically different constantly. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. in that kind of context that we created our sound and our approach to how we work. And I think that that's really, um, you know, we're we're probably more of a Baltimore band than anything now because ah. we're more on the East Coast. At least two thirds <laughs> of us, um, but it's this like Chicago context that I think. You know, none of us are, yeah. are native Chicagoans, um, and but we developed our sound in that in that very diverse context. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't think uh, if it wasn't for for Chicago, we probably wouldn't sound the way we do. Um, yeah. Or or be who be a band. Be a band. <laughs> or be a band. Be yeah. A band. Be a band. <laughs> It'd be like the picture in Back to the Future. Be a band. It'd be like the fading picture in Back to the Future. It's like <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> nice, nice. And have you guys gotten involved now that you're closer to Baltimore and more um, based in Baltimore for some of you? Have you guys gotten involved with any of those scenes? Oh, for sure. I mean, like, it's a really great city. I live in Baltimore, so it's a great city with, I mean, great musicians. Um, for sure. Um, from, like, the Red Room to, like, even just, like, you know, going to see um, a show at Autobar or whatever. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's a great place Class- to be. Classic. Yeah, I mean, uh, The Crown, it's like, there's always, it's gotten better. It was pretty rough, COVID and post-COVID. It was really bad during COVID. But now I think it's kind of like getting back on its feet and some venues getting a little more stable. And so it's exciting to see. And um, no, Baltimore has been great and great musicians. And, you know, know, I mean, Chicago is just like so much going on. It's like you can't even... You can't do all of it, you know, like this is no possible yeah, way, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, Baltimore so, must feel so, because Baltimore is a small, small city, a very small city. Yeah, it feels like digestible, like this, but there's still like days where you're like, I can't, I mean, I have a friend who does like everything. I'm like, I'm going to the Crown and to the Metro and I'm going to be at the bar at 2 a.m. And I'm like, I'm not, I'll see you at one of these things. Like I'm, you know, going to bed. You know, like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go home and work in the studio. But like, you know, it's like, you know, I think I think that's it is really nice. Like this summer, there's a lot of really good shows um, and it felt like a little bit more normal. And that was really nice. Um, yeah, definitely. Know. Yeah. Speaking about going to those shows, those hardcore shows and also performing at some of these other. What's that um, experience, that performance experience and that live performing for you guys? What's that like? How does it make you feel or what's when you're on the stage? What's that intention? Uh, It's been a while since we've uh, been been a very long time, right? Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you guys performed and where was it? Um, Europe. The last show was we played in Berlin in 2016. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Oh, 2000. Yeah. Don't ask me about dates. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's been it's been a while. We we found out you don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. It definitely was 2016 in Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And the last song we played, we we played uh, a Coil cover, Solar Lodge. Oh yeah. So it's one of the one of the one of our major influences, and we reinterpreted one of their songs, and we recently uh, recorded a studio version of that song. So that'll be coming out before. Nice segue. Good job. Andre (laughs) selling records. Uh, Uh, So yeah, it's been a while. Um, but we, uh, I mean, we love playing live. I mean, I, I do. Um, but it's just, um, it's just not the opportunity hasn't come up, uh, for us to do that i mean realistically i mean we i mean i would like to and we i'm sure we will um especially with this new record coming out um uh playing some shows again even if it's just like a run on the east coast or something you know um i'm I'm pretty sure we'll be doing that yeah a little east coast one yeah yeah i think it's this became hard i think we kind of had a, a kind of like a down time after the European tour. And then, you know, we were like, let's work on new stuff. So we were kind of working on new ideas, like who wants to go out and play the old records. And then it became really hard to like play new stuff when we can't get together and kind of like practice the new ideas. Yeah, and and like, <laughs> so it just became really hard. Then COVID happened right when we were kind of like about to kind of figure it out, go in the studio, really kind of hunker down. Um, and even, you know, this summer we were like, we either try and do some, a tour record and we we're kind of like, let's record like these songs. Like it was just kind of like yeah. an either or and um, COVID was still kind of rearing its head. So we were like, I don't want to, I think like literally like we were making the decision and like some other band I know was like tour got canceled three days in. And it's like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not There's a lot of that. Yeah. And a lot of people just like losing money on tours. I still hear, you know, yeah. that or just like, you know, not not breaking even or barely. Um, yeah. So it's it's been it's tough. Um, so uh, mm. as fun mm-hmm. as playing live is, I, I wouldn't want to go out on like a couple week tour and come back. You know, I mean, the experience is great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But, you know, we all have, you know, they got families and, yeah, yeah, you know, we, yeah. we have to, we have to eat. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. hard to it's, coordinate. It's, We're definitely going to play live yeah. again. Yeah. Of yes. it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's going to be after this next album is out and that we start yeah. thinking about that, that, that how we approach live playing again. Um, I yes. love playing live. It's one of my favorite things to do with these guys. Yeah, um, and um, it, it's. I think when we play live again, it's going to be a bit of a different experience than it was in the past, and that's something yeah. that I think yeah. is going to be really. It'll fun. be. It'll be more like the gorillas. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think. I, I think. Yeah, it's like I love playing live, and for us, the. I think. What I would say is that I think, earlier in this kind of downtime, it was sad because live we would figure so much out we would improvise at all these different Mm. points and be like there's a whole new melody a whole harmony that we didn't even record and it was like really fun to kind of make these songs have all these other parts and extended portions and 
you know, yeah. have like a riff we just would jam that sounded like that should be the song. That's the opener, the sound check. Yeah. The song yeah. that we're going to work on. Um, you know, and I, so I definitely miss it because that was part of like a big part of our creative process was like, let's yes. get out there with this riff and just we're going to jam it. Like, this is just a jam. Like, yeah. Eye contact, end it kind of thing. And like, we would, you know, really write and then we would record it. That would be kind of the way we were working a little bit. Um, but now I feel that we have yeah. that kind of like a nice balance of like, here's some ideas and we work on them and we use other technology to kind of like communicate and kind of organize the, what we want to do in a lot of notes. And, you know, I feel that it, it's a, just a different thing. We've kind of evolved with that. We couldn't get together and we're far apart and we still like to create. Um, but I really do anticipate getting back together and, like having that this of uh, this creative process that's kind of laying dormant for you know six years you know like or whatever it's mm -hmm. seven years like um yeah I think, that, I think that it's it was very important so it's definitely been missing but we also are just trying to be realistic like all the things for, you know with touring and financial aspects and mm -hmm. you know and it's it's a definitely like a, a balance and a challenge for sure Mm, mm -hmm. yeah. I see. Yeah, because you guys, I actually want to go into um, the records now because you have, correct me if I'm wrong, you have six studio albums, full length studio albums, and then you have a couple mm. other I'm checking discogs right now. <laughs> Something like that. It sounds about yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Depends that on sounds the album. <clears throat> it sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys have been playing music for so long now. Yeah. Well, yeah. not that long. I'm not trying to call you guys. Old. No, that's okay. But, no, no. That's fine. So way back you have um, <laughs> the okay, yeah, this was something I really wanted to know. So you have all this music that's even way, way, way back. Does every record or every release do those concepts and those feelings that you guys take out or you guys try to 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 i guess work through or whatever it is that those feelings that are from your music do they still resonate with you do old records still resonate with you even when it's way back to like 2013 or something oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. those ones for sure yeah yeah i, I mean they they, they do yeah. I think every record just has a different little place. Like I think probably the, I, for me personally, one of the most important memories I have is we had done a radio show that became the Grayfield shrines LP. And that was live improvised. And we just kind of like figured out the key that we were in. And that was what we were going to do. And then, and I remember like Andre and I did it. Steven wasn't in the band yet. And we were kind of figuring ourselves out. I remember driving back, we were listening to it, and we're like, this is okay. This is like, it was kind of hard to hear in there. And I'm like, I think it was all bad. Like, I was like, oh man. And then we got in the car, put it in, and we're like, oh, okay. Like, this is a cool mood. It kind of like the vision of what the record was and artwork and everything kind of all was there. Yeah, so I, nice. Like, and I don't, we actually go back and listen to quite that. We, we try and we've had, we have like fans request like these obsolete cassettes that nobody can get or whatever, or 
So we'll tr we do try and resuscitate things or we found a live session and we have the cassette that we recorded. So we're trying to like give them a bunch of these ideas all together on our Bandcamp page. Um, and, but that was a release that I like went back to even recently. And I was like, I still remember driving in Andre's Hyundai and being like, Hey man, <laughs> we did okay. <laughs> like, like that sounds pretty good. And, and we released not so it. Bad. You know? Yeah, not so bad, but it, yeah, so to me, it's like these, they're like these little landmarks like that, you know, what can we get away with, I guess? It was kind of the thing, like, could we get away with this thing? And it was the same way with <clears throat> Drenched Lands. It was the same way even with Territories. Um, and the Crystal World, I think, was another one, too, where it's just like, I only, I think we had practiced a few times with Steven, um, but not a lot, you know, and it was definitely like, I don't think I don't know if we, Steven. we didn't practice at all. Did yeah, you, you just come you, in? You just invite, you said, Here, here's the address of the studio, show up. And I did. Yeah. And I listened to a track. That was I it. just by track by track. And then yeah. I just uh, improvised my part. So the Crystal wow, World nice. event and Drenched Lands was our first technical studio <laughs> album. And Territories was this this like collaborative album that we did uh, mm -hmm. right before Steven joined the band with mm -hmm. a bunch of musicians that we were friends with in the Chicago scene, like, uh, like Bruce Lamont, who is, uh, he plays in a bunch of eclectic kind of metal bands. Uh, he does like Mark Soltroff, yeah, Mark Soltroff, yeah. who does, yeah. you know, he does bloody minded and was an in intrinsic action and anatomy of habit. Yeah. Anatomy of habit. Now <laughs> it's a great band. Andrew from Belnius. Yeah. It was really, it was a really cool, I mean, that was kind of like, are all these people going to come? Like, it was kind of like, we're going to invite all these people to play. Are they going to show up? And everyone showed up and, and really contributed. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, it, I mean, it's a dark record. It's weird to say it's fun, but it was just like, creatively, it was like, can we get away with this weird idea of bringing all these different noise and metal people into the same room and, and make this record that's like our record? Like, it's our record, you know, but they're all, you know, contributing yeah. to it and collaborating on it and it was really really cool um yeah oh and my my bandmate uh from another band from the holy circle he was he just picked up the christoph heeman lp and then i was like thinking about that one um and Something you know, it, in 2011 yeah and that uh, was like never met christoph we it was like an email correspondence. Like he sent us two tracks, we sent him two two tracks, and we did what we wanted to do with them. So I I look back, I'm pretty proud actually. It's a lot of records I just I went through, but I'm actually like there's yeah. a lot of these moments of like like the Christoph Hema thing is like what's this gonna sound like? What's this gonna be like? It was very like daunting. He's a really important musician and um mm. you know an important figure and what's he gonna think of our stuff that we send him and what's he gonna send us? It was just like, we had no idea. So I think there's a yeah. lot of like pushing our own comfort zones a little bit. Like, and that was definitely one of them that, you know, I, st I you know, just cause I recently like he, my, my bandmate was like, this record is great. Like, no, like he hadn't heard it before. I've been friends with this guy for years and he hadn't heard it before. And, um, um, I just had to revisit it. I was like, yeah, it was pretty cool. I remember just those feelings of like, could we pull this thing off? And it was like, you're waiting to hear what Christoph did to the tracks that we did. And it was really cool. Um, you know, and the artwork came out great. Like it was, it was a great mm -hmm. uh, experience on that one. Yeah. I don't know. 
that's my that's my thoughts but uh we recorded a collaborative album with christoph heeman and we're still proud of it to this day nice okay okay so yeah i mean i think i think all of those releases of ours they have their own places uh but i'm yeah no i'm still proud of them and we're we're currently we've been going through our archival um, recordings and releasing some things that um, have been hard for some people to find uh, who weren't, uh, you know, like around Chicago uh, and had a tape player or uh, <laughs> access to our shows early on. Yeah. So we've just been going through that stuff and and sharing sharing that. And we're, we're considering releasing further archival yeah. stuff later. Um, but yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So you, so yeah. Obviously, that's still. Ha- if you're going to be releasing old stuff, it must have something that's still true about it that you or yeah. something you want to share, right? Still, or it is true to somebody. I mean, even if uh, <laughs> there are things that we're not happy with, sometimes there are things that. Uh, th- it's surprising when I when I hear that certain things are mean a lot to certain people. Uh, like uh, recently, we did an interview with Machine Metal Music. What is that? What they're called? The the, the yeah. yeah yeah that's it. Machine yeah. Metal Music. Ron, and, yeah. Um, and they talk, talked about how like my, probably one of my favorite tracks of ours is called Obsolete Elegies, and it's a track that I feel like has been underappreciated for how like. <laughs> um, because I, I feel like it's one of the things that I'm most proud of in the, in this group. And, and for them, uh, it also resonated with them. So it was really nice to hear that, um, even though it's a, it's a track that might not get as yeah. streamed as much as some of our other things. So yeah. you yeah, never know what cool. resonates with other people, I guess. Yeah, and, it's, I think, and it's a really long song. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, a su- surprise. That was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked about you having really long songs too. Some of those long, you have a couple songs that are like 15, 16 minutes, yeah. um, actually more than a couple songs, but um, those longer ones. Right. And then mm-hmm. these are, this is kind of a double-sided question, but those longer tracks um, versus like those, some of the shorter ones, which for you guys, a short track is probably like six or five minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, those are those, are those songs just created the same way that you guys were talking about before? Are you like the length of the songs are what matters? Do you come into that saying, okay, I want this to be a longer song? Um, mm. Or do I want this? Do I want this specific song to be pretty short? Well, no, I don't think that. Or it's just not, think... it doesn't matter. It just comes from that sort of gut. I think that's more it. And um, there's also, we'll go in and record like maybe some smaller, shorter songs that, will eventually kind of put together you know like piece together yeah. some tracks uh cool with the intention you know like that you know there's like parts you know like okay this song's got like three parts so and mm-hmm. we'll kind of put them together and then it eventually ends up being you know 12 minutes long yeah. um which gotcha yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so oh so interesting you guys do those parts too even though when you when you listen to it it sounds like you guys just did it completely in one recording yeah i mean some of it is also like we're maybe nodding yeah. a little bit to that prog rock kind yes. of like yes or you know like inspiration of like 
multi-movement songs. I mean, they're obviously kind of nodding to like, you know, like classical music and their classical backgrounds by making these multi-part songs with little, you know, shifts and changes. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think like, it's very, it is intentional. Like we'll be like, here's this thing. And then we'll also have this idea, like what if it's a multi-part song? Like what if there's a part one and a part two, and then we repeat something or, you know, like an obsolete elegies, obviously that was kind of like, we're going to repeat a bunch of these themes, like an acoustic way. And then in a, you know, um, you know, black metal way or whatever, like we're going to use these, but yeah, we, maybe the process is like, like collaged but it's very intentional like we're, we are going to make this multi-part suite of ideas that come together um and then you know sometimes it'll be more like a, a theme that we return to um like on infinite dissolution like having the kxls like we have this kind of theme that we like ev- throughout the record there's these little bits of music that have more melody or less or more noise or you know it's like returning 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 yeah Uh, Yeah. (laughs) i like those i like those a lot so we need more of those yeah we also have these ideas where for the real careful listeners we also not only have certain albums where we'll repeat different themes throughout the album at different places but we also have some themes that we've repeated across our albums, like Obsolete Elegies, which is the last track I was previously talking about on Return to Annihilation. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the themes of that was from uh, the opening track of Drenched Lands, but it was through sort of a different um, yeah. execution. Um, and so that that's one example. And then there's another example of uh, the track Inverted Ruins. There's a synthesizer line that Terrence plays and then on our um our uh Reign of Ashes album we repeat that same kind of melodic uh theme in a different kind of context and you you really have to carefully listen to be able to differentiate <laughs> those uh, but so, but i but that's yeah. sort of our intent is that we have this continuity so even if the stylistic choices might vary um there's some kind of narrative even across our albums so even though like people might be like oh i don't know i've just heard uh, their track Eternal Return, and it doesn't sound anything <laughs> like their track uh, Extinction, which is like a 60-minute um, <laughs> like yeah. dynamic droner. Um, so it might be very confusing, but there are these like kernels that I think are are, are um, tying the things together. And I hope yeah. that it comes over that way to the listener. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and you've talked about those themes and that narrative somehow involving these ideas of we're manifesting as the concept of science fiction yeah, and sure. environmentalism. What exactly is the theme of what you're trying to get across through the understanding of science fiction and environmentalism and why those specific choices of themes? Well, I think we like science fiction. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that, um, I, well, I think also like science fiction does this thing, right? Where really good science fiction tends to kind of give us some solace in a way because we we get to it and we're like, someone thought of this and it's 
seems pretty real, whether it's Philip K. Dick, whether it's J.G. Ballard or whoever, right? Like you're kind of like um, Ursula Le Guin or whatever. Like you're listening, you're reading that and you're like, yeah, that's that sounds like now. And it, and it gives you this like comfort, exactly. right? Like you're like, okay, like they work through this in this novel um, or short story or whatever it is. So I think that science fiction gives us this like like they can create in like a pretty apocalyptic like sandbox you know whether it's jeff vandermeer and the annihilation trilogy or um you know uh <laughs> david bunch and the modern series uh, series of short stories it's like they are bleak uh maybe even inexplicable right like there's kind of like a lot of unanswered parts in some of these novels um you know this isn't like uh, actually th wait that reminded me of something i read about what you did a former interview and some of your music just correct me if i have this understanding wrong but you had one of you guys had mentioned something about your music isn't the point of there isn't a point of like finding a solution to these problems yeah and and i think that's kind of where yeah it's exactly where i was going was like yeah like, i think for us it's like you know for myself kind of maybe growing up in like as a younger teenager with like hardcore and this kind of like that we're going to fix the world and you know like by going vegan and you know like <laughs> boycotting fluoride or whatever like in from the seven inch notes of the monster x seven inch like then you're gonna you know it's like you're gonna change the world it's like and then you know as you get older you realize it doesn't it's been kind of like you know like it, it it can be very like um it can cause a lot of conflict, I think, with like the world doesn't work the way you thought it was going to work. And I think that, like, you know, a lot of politics and social issues are presented with these kind of easy anthems or easy solutions. And I think when we get to like environmentalism, these things are huge. And I really think, in some ways, it's like maybe we're a little bit fatalistic because we're like, there really isn't much that can change this kind of trajectory. And those and the gains we, we get are very small. Um, but at the same time, it's like science fiction gives you this lens with which to kind of refract all this kind of horror and alienation and depression and maybe find something that's like, you know, an interesting idea or solution or hope or entertainment or whatever. Um, at least for me, that's kind of how I how I look at it, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, what yeah. do you got? Yeah. What about you guys? <laughs> Yeah, why why science fiction? Why science fiction to go on to those some of those themes that you talked about that sort of alienation, isolation, those kinds of things. What is it about science fiction versus other maybe um philosophical cultural things that you could have used? Well, I think Terrence kind of summed it up pretty well. Uh, yeah. You but, you just um, that you think Yeah, I mean and you know, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Uh it, that's not a question for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to answer that question right now. Not ready. As far as like the environmental issues, yeah, um, mm -hmm. and that we, you know, maybe not. I mean, we we talk about, you know, in in a kind of maybe in a vague way, maybe in some and not, you know, because a lot of our our records are inspired by, um, like 
some terrible things that are happening in the world as we're all dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, just to make people aware people, you know, people are aware, but you know, we just want, you know, to make sure people are aware, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's so many bad things going on and man. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I wasn't ready for this question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, like when we wrote the clearing, that was when the um, Deepwater Horizon oil yes. pipeline. And I remember yes. just like, that was kind of my viewpoint on that record was like watching these videos of them trying to like helplessly plug this pipeline, spewing oil um, into the yeah. Gulf of Mexico. And I think like, kind of like, it's like, so sensationalized to be so appalled by it and you should be but it's like what if in this contrary world that was like beauty and that was like like what if we flip it and we think of it through this other lens of like you know obviously we we can be horrified and culturally we're horrified but we're not changing anything significantly to stop that from happening there's still oil rigs in the gulf of mexico it's not like we there's not there's no will to kind of like stop it Right. Yeah. No matter what, you know, there's still oil that. spills. There will exactly. still be oil spills. Yeah. There's still like entire yeah. beautiful places that are Unfortunately. being. Unfortunately. Yeah. There's, yeah. And I think that for us, it's like when you read someone um, like Jeff Vandermeer or, yeah. um, you know, John Wyndham or whoever, it's like they can kind of put it through this light where you're like, like it's a, it can kind of contextualize the trauma that you're witnessing in a way environmentally or culturally or whatever, and give you some kind of like vocabulary for it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like William Gibson did that, or Philip K. Dick does that. Like we, we have vocabulary because of these things. I mean, you have it from um, even uh, Isaac Asimov, right? Like you know, science fiction writers give us the vocabulary for our, like, mm-hmm. you know, robotics and artificial intelligence and all these things we're kind of dealing with it's like they've thought of it and given this context for it in this way historically and they still do right like it's kind of like why i go back to so much science fiction or stick around science fiction because Uh it's like there's a lot of interesting ideas and it can help you kind of process what you're seeing and i think for us it's like we want to create from that we can kind of like take those books and take all these references and take nonfiction. and that's in the other part of like the thing has been like you know you read something like the sixth extinction or the world without us and you're like yeah. oh you know like what do i do now <laughs> you know like exactly but yeah. then you re- then you can like read that alongside dahlgren or alongside the lathe of heaven or alongside whatever and you're like okay like i think there's something, you know, for me at least, like there's something here that I can create with. It's something that I can, I feel comfortable in these kind of like apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, it definitely has a place in in heavy metal or in metal or whatever. And I think that we we just have kind of a, that's been like our process has been like sharing a lot of books, a lot of articles um, mm-hmm. and finding this kind of common ground for these records. And for our own kind of horror at what's happening in, in our environment, um, you know, so yeah. Well nice. said. Sure. No, and that may, I really like the way you put it 
um, you said that it's a way delete to like, the, the, the previous thing. <laughs> the delete it. <laughs> I don't have to. It's okay. All right. <laughs> no, I like I like the way that you had mentioned that it's something about putting what you're what you're recognizing in the present, um, putting that in language and being yeah. able to now. Okay, I can. It's it's interesting, sort of externalizing these these internal things that you're struggling with. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, so that seems to be like a process. Yeah. So you're using science fiction. You're using these books. You mentioned PKD. You mentioned a couple authors. For, I'm curious for like all three of you individually. I don't know if you're allowed to pick favorites, if you're allowed to pick whatever. Uh, what is something, the most influential book or movie that has ooh. impacted the way you've approached Locrian? Is it different? I mean, I assume it might be. I don't want to assume. I guess it's a little different for every release, maybe, um, how you're taking in those novels. But what's a giant, what's the main novel or main piece of writing you go back to every time and you're like, hmm, this seems to reflect exactly what my music sure. is. Um, I was going to say Dahlgren is one that yeah. I uh, was a big influence for me. Um, mm -hmm. And... I still go back to it and just like randomly pick it up and read like 10 pages or something, you know, from time to time, especially when it comes to time for us to get together or record. Really? Um, yeah. Interesting. That's, so that's a good one. Um, yeah. What's, what's I'm, that one about? It's like a, oh man, it's great. It's like a circular. <laughs> it's novel. really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it's very postmodern. Cause like, uh -huh. there's like, there's like this poet who wanders this destroyed city and he's writing this book and then things that you don't know that happened in the novel are the addendum at the end of the book. That's his, it's like his journal. So you have yes. to like read the journal. And then when the journal ends, it ends in the middle of a sentence. That's the beginning of the first sentence of the book. It's so confusing. It's, it's a circular <laughs> narrative and sit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Samuel Delaney's, I mean, he's just a oh, genius. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like you mentioned before, like the sixth extinction. Yeah, is, which was that you released that one whole release. What was yeah. the album that that was based off of that entire um, book? The Clearing? Is that what we did? Yeah. Was it The Clearing? Or no, was it? No, it was, it, which um, one was it? New Dominions. Yeah. No, no, no. That was the world of Dallas. That was the world of Dallas. So no, it was return. I'm sorry. Return to It was return to annihilation. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. one's good. I like yeah, that. One. So I love the that, two moons. That song. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. That's my favorite. Like that was the song. Well, okay, I have a lot of favorites, but that was the song I first heard, and I was like, "What? I gotta listen to more of this band." That's awesome. That is. That that was a fun one. What what was that about? Two moons. Yeah. What you when you guys were making? Oh man, it was. So that was from. So that I actually think that was from Dahlgren. Two moons appear in the sky. Yes, uh, that's it. But yeah. Andre was playing this Nick Drake guitar thing, Nick and, Drake. and we were like really into Pink Moons, like a great record. And it was like mm. it's like two moons. <laughs> it's like, I yeah, I think honestly, if I remember correctly, that's where my brain went was like with that one. And I think we all were yeah. kind of in, in, into it because it was like part of the yeah. novel and kind of like a reference that no one's gonna get the Nick Drake maybe, but um at least i thought it sounded like yeah. nick drake like i i think i i yeah yeah I, yeah for sure sure but, that, that was an influence 
Yeah, for sure. Um, but go, 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 go for it. What was, what's some of your, uh, favorite books that. Yeah. I was going to say, um, well, obviously, uh, Gigi Ballard as a writer and, and I think the crystal world was a big yeah. deal for us. Um, it made our record and, and it's just such a great novel. And I mm-hmm. love that kind of period of like the drown world and the crystal world. And even as I like the stuff he did, you know, kind of later in his life, I'm, I'm a huge fan, but, um, you know, the crystal world was a really big thing because it was like this entire landscape that's crystallizing as the protagonist has like leprosy and falling apart and like then it but it's also like about his relationship so there's like this personal it's like it's not just like you know space cowboys and stuff it's like really uh, is it even science fiction it is science fiction it's using science but it's like uh, and i love kind of new the new weird fiction like brian aldis and um you know people like that and samuel delaney who just kind of you know really changed the face of sci-fi at that time um and the other one would be anna kavan her book ice is like just like gorgeous it's short and it's this whole world's freezing it's like and it's also about a relationship so it's like person this like person that's trying to like hunt down this woman and like and everywhere they're going, like everything's just like freezing and it's super gorgeous as it describes like this world that's like freezing up. And it's just one of the like, but it's all, but it's like, I love it because it's like still about like people and it's not about like robots or space people or whatever. It's like people in this weird future science reality and it doesn't feel too far away as like this freeze kind of sets in around the world. And, mm-hmm. um, and then in the end, you know, like where people cannot, you can't travel anymore because it's not safe. And it, I really think that it's super brilliant, like really great uh, book. Yeah. Those are, those would be two, I think for me that I kind of return to. There's like a ton. For me, I would have to say that Bill McKibben is probably one of the people that's most influential to the way that I approach mm-hmm. our, our um, themes and the end of nature is mm-hmm. one of my, my favorite books that he wrote. And it's really like, really just like, lamenting the loss of of nature as we know it um and it's it's basically you know his later work he wrote a book called earth um and he spells earth uh, in in a unique way and he's talking about how humans have changed the environment so drastically that there's um we have a new planet essentially as a result of of humans and it, it, it the so um, those are those are some of the things that have been really influential to me. And another one would be like the Population Bomb uh, by yeah. uh, Paul Ehrlich. Um, and and this was a book that was written in like the seventies, and it was it was sort of it was it was written in sixty eight, and it was predicting that the um, human population would lead to our demise um, very rapidly. And some of the some of the predictions in the book mm. were not entirely accurate. Uh, but mm-hmm. they, um, it, 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 and also in some of the predictions of the book might've been a little bit too optimistic about the future and it's not a very <laughs> optimistic book. Uh, he's, <laughs> wow. he's, he's a biologist and he's so been writing about the, the sixth extinction, extinction, which, um, humanity and nature is in, in, in part going through right now. Oh, um, yeah. and to me, this, this book was so influential because, um, 
we have 8 billion people on the planet and that's that's I, I, my math might be slightly off probably low uh but that's about 10% of the people that have ever lived on the planet are alive today um and uh he, he talks about how uh humanity we might have been able to sustain ourselves if we would have uh curbed our population about 40 or 50 years ago, actually about 50 years ago. Um, but um, to me, it, it, it's it's really just suggesting like things aren't looking good for the planet or at least for humanity. The planet's going to be the, the planet. Um, yeah. And part of how that resonates with me about thinking about our music is that, um, yeah. uh, you know, like in science fiction, to me, there's almost this joy in, um, in, engaging in your fears <laughs> things that you fear and and to me uh i i think that's what part of what our, our music does for me it's that i, I have this yeah. uh, mm. if things are not, not going to be okay for humans and it's okay to make a statement mm. about that and i uh it's cartoonish to think that doing things like um you know a few people going vegan is going to curb the the carbon emissions as drastically as we need to. Um, and to me, uh, I, I, I feel a bit um, not optimistic about the, uh, about the fate of the world. Um, and, and I think another book that I would be really influenced by is um, Daniel Quinn's Ishmael, um, which yeah. that really, if, if people read that, they would understand what I'm yeah. talking about, how our cultural practices are things that are very difficult to change and they're also closely tied with um, probably the, the reasons why I don't expect that uh, the human impact on the environment will shift uh, radically in in my lifetime, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I have a lot of books to look up now. There's <laughs> yeah, uh, your reading list. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Those, those, the parts of science fiction and the reality of where we're at now, we're saying that makes us uncomfortable as it should. And you're saying that a lot of that reflect your music reflects that. And I've read that there's, I read about your music that it's supposed to be a challenging in that aspect, right? <laughs> um, it, and, it, and it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Is that? What's the end goal of making someone uncomfortable with music or challenging the listeners? Well, I mean, I feel it's not the, the whole thing. I mean, I feel yeah, it's okay. like, I feel it's like each, like if we go back to like our writing metaphor, right? It to us, it's, I think we think of it like chapters. Like we're trying to like get you into a theme. We're trying to move you through this story. And there's going to be these mm -hmm. uncomfortable parts and, um, and there's going to be, I mean, I think for us, we're like in our, and we're often like, there needs to be something triumphant here. There needs to be something of levity or something of ambient or it's whatever. Like we are kind of like thinking of these moments. So it isn't just all claustrophobia all the time. There are these like big open expanses and, um, but it does, I mean, and I mean, I'm sure it's because we're re we're talking about a lot of literature. It is kind of like how do we set up this conflict on an album scale, and how do we have a resolution, and how do we end this, and how do we, um, you know, take a 
Delaney cue and have it start again to the end of the records, the beginning of the. You know, it's like how do we make these interesting mm. segues? Um, yeah, yeah. So it feels more narrative. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's yeah. always I, uncomfortable, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. like because so, even but, you've just noticed this, and we've talked about this, but sonically, you have what you would maybe regularly describe as peaceful aspects and in sure. a weird way there is something peaceful about your music but there are there there are ambient there are ambient pieces like completely ambient and there yeah. there are those harsh um especially in your earlier releases i was listening to entire narrative rather than just trying to make something sound uncomfortable i mean i feel even when i listen when the band just kind of does there's only a few bands that can kind of do the same thing every song on an album like you gotta break yeah. it up a little bit you know um because it sometimes this feels like relentless like and and i can i get that that can feel really great and i feel a lot of band, there's bands that can do that really well but i feel like for me it's like i want to give people some kind of moon room to kind of you know breathe a little bit but mm. yeah. mm-hmm. tackle a little bit about new catastrophism can we go into that e- even with a little bit more detail Sure. So there's sure. there's, yeah. there's four tracks. Um, mm-hmm. could I hear maybe your guys is basically what those four tracks end up becoming, uh, and the order why maybe it's important to have the order of the songs that they're in. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terrence is you're first. <laughs> Terrence is <laughs> I'm first. Uh, so um, ding ding ding. Let's uh let's go. Well. And also we, we, you know, with new catastrophism comes, um, uh, ghost frontiers. So, um, I, I think that we did have this kind of thought. Um, so Morticnia, I think, I think the word was the real inspiration in some ways. I mean, we started working on that, um, a little bit before the studio, but, um, Mm -hmm that was the one that we had practiced. So, uh, and, and and I think that Morticnia is is the last, um, footprints of a creature dying in the fossil record. So it's like their last movement that they've, that they've saved in fossil form, um, which I just thought was poetic and interesting and weird. And I wanted to totally use it. And, and we have this slow song. So kind of like fit with it. Um, you know, I think I, I, it's it's the intro. I mean, I I kind of I I feel like we had to make something that was like the tone of this record is different than the last record. Like you start it and you know you're in a different landscape than into the dissolution. That that's at least to me what how mm-hmm. I read it. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. So it was like with Morticnia to me, what what it started out with, it was like that was the first time that we got in a room together in quite like several <laughs> years. Um, and yeah. we were basically like, let's let's throw out our, our previous ideas of what an album should be and kind of uh, just like go in and do what's in our gut. And so that was really like gut federal mm. playing for us. And it was also this homage to where we first started, like being more of uh, focused on drone and 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 being mm-hmm. uh, like Im- improvisational. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we uh, we were I, I think that we recorded the songs in this order that they're on the album, although I'm not entirely sure. 
Uh, gotcha. I, I'm pretty sure. And and we ended with uh, the incomplete map of voids. The theme of that was intentionally like the, there's a clean guitar part that's got a bunch of reverb on it. To mm -hmm. me, it was meant to um, sort of harken back to our last album, Infinite Disillusion, a bit. So Infinite Disillusion has this this like reverbed out guitar part um, that's um, part of the theme. And to me, it was like reinterpreting that theme slightly differently um, on this new album. So it was like, to me, that's the, that's the, that's the, the thread that goes back to our last album. Gotcha. Okay. That is really interesting to hear. Um, it, it, it goes off that thread, but you're also approaching it as kind of a new way. Yeah. Too, which is interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then with, I really like the um, cover art for that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and I loved. I really yeah. love the cover art for uh, Return to Annihilation too. What's up with that cover art? How did you guys come in? Do you guys make that, or do you have someone else that makes the cover art? We normally um, look at a lot of contemporary art, um, and Return to <laughs> Annihilation is a, a really famous photographer named Richard Mizrak, who's kind of the f one of the founding figures of kind of large format color photography in the United States as an art form. Like he's really important. Mm. And he made this really great series. Um, he's an activist, a political environmental activist and, um, and this great photographer, but he made this series about cancer alley in Louisiana and had collaborated with all these scientists were kind of showing him these different sites and they were just, you know, like they kind of have this eerie, uncanny landscape where you're like, this can't be real. This can't be America. And it's like, and then it is, it's totally real. It's not science fiction. It's not something else. And we just loved it. Um, and the cover um, for New Catastrophism was uh, this artist who we really respect named Trevor Paglin. Um, and that's actually a sculpture that is a piece of that cube on the cover is made yeah. from um, irradiated glass from the Fukushima reactor zone and um, the irradiated glass from the nuclear test sites in like New Mexico and all kind of melted together. And then he reinstalled the cube at the Fukushima reactor. So that floor is in Japan where the nuclear reactor had the meltdown. Wow. Um, Wait, so the actual, it's an actual sculpture? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, that's kind of like crazy. That's kind of like even Infinite Dissolution is a sculptor named David Altmedge from Canada. He's this amazing, totally fantastic, totally amazing sculptor and <clears throat> makes these just, I mean, his stuff is always weird and just totally imaginative and he had these beautiful mirrored sculptures and they're just very like kind of like repetitive and um they're huge and they're huge and they're massive yeah. and then, and they all have really? like bullet holes or little like smashes in them but like they're yeah. so big you don't really even see it until you look up close and yeah all these That's flaws awesome to hear yeah. you don't see the yeah. flaws yeah so we we tend to look for like contemporary artists and some of them are cool, people cool. that we know or some of them like trevor paglin uh i had like a little contact with him years and years ago for a work thing and i just reached out to him and 
he wound up being a fan, which was really awesome, and was mm-hmm. like really into us being on the having his art on the cover. And that was, us, that kind of works out perfectly. Yeah, it worked out great. Yeah. Um, and I found out that he was in like an industrial band in the '90s. So I think <laughs> which I was like, this is pretty cool. Uh, but well, you you kind of say that you put a little industrial industrial in your music. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think with Trevor, it was just like it really fit, and it's very eerie. I mean, I think um you know, especially like how the designer and us kind of work together to make this crazy like the packaging of everything and like he gave us so much content like it was like 20 close-up images of glass bubbles and everything it was like really cool like, nice like, so you had a lot to choose from and you were yeah. you from all of that you yeah. were like gotcha gotcha but we and wanted that that cube on the cover because it was just so like it's so clean and minimal, but so horrifying. Like when you learn it what it is, it's yeah. yeah. Once you know what it is, it's it's frightening. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, exactly. After you learn what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like but I mean it's it's so interesting to hear that. Um, because when you look it's, at it, I totally thought it was just completely digitized. No, mm. it's in the it's in the liner notes. I mean uh, you know, it'll be viewable to the public sometime between uh, a, a year from now and th- what is it like three thousand years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's cool yeah. too is like Trevor Paglin's this great artist who normally deals with like he's probably more famous yeah. for like mm. both photographs he's taken of like spy satellites and of drones flying off of Air Force bases that look like romantic landscape paintings. Like he's he's really into like dissecting like surveillance culture and like defense budgets and uh, extra extraordinary rendition sites to, uh, from Afghanistan to Guantanamo Bay. Like he's just this brilliant, you know, activist artist, but this piece was really cool. They're actually being photographers and actually being sculptor um, sculptors. Uh, one last question before we finish up, just going off of that artistic selections for what you know cover art and all that um really quickly you guys have a lot of audio accompanying um visuals to your audio on youtube i love them and even like your music videos are not traditional music videos they're very aesthetic i love them um if you can just go into that really quickly and then we'll finish up um because i think that seems like an important part of locreon i mean i I mean, I just think we approach everything. It's like the album art. We want to work with artists. We want to work with video yeah. artists. Like they might not be like a traditional, like three dudes in a room screaming into, you know, <laughs> like with nothing plugged in. It's just like, you know. With so nothing kinda, plugged in. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of we approach it like, like we never really tell anyone what to do. We kind of are like, this person's cool and they make interesting visuals. Yeah. And give them the keys. And then, and, and like, it's a lot of trust and, and friends. a lot of no budget. And, yeah, and and friends, you know, like yeah. people that we okay. know, like that, you know. I mean, we've been working with some of these people for ten years and or yeah. more, and they. It's you know, so nice to hear that. Yeah, yeah, and it's just kind of like we know when to give them the track and kind of like, hey, when when you can get to it, like we just try to put no pressure on their creativity and right, right, and and just like, and we're never like. 
you gotta edit it so there's more steven in this video you know it's just like it's you know it's kind of like maybe i should start saying that yeah you maybe you should (laughs) (laughs) no i think i think it's like they're artists like to me it's like if you do motion graphics or i mean our you know we had we still have another video to release um for new catastrophism and it was all done with 3d scanners um that's crazy so like to us it's like we just like having and and um we just like having these creative people that like we can trust we're gonna here's the song here's the record and like we normally actually let them hear the record and like pick a song and then they pick a song and then it's like that's where their vision went and to us it's cool we haven't had any regrets yet i don't think i mean Mm, we've been like super excited everybody always has a cool idea and we're just like yeah make it 3d awesome like you know do it with a 3d scanner uh (laughs) nick made uh you know the glares everywhere on in the video game uh engine i mean to me it's like that's what i live for is like creativity and just like people taking your thing you made and just going with it and you can trust them hell yeah hell yeah oh my gosh it was so cool interviewing you guys um and hearing hearing from square one and all the way up until now and then also just seeing that collaboration aspect um having artists come together trusting yourselves trusting the band that whole process as you guys heard they're gonna well, you guys are working on a new material as we speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. Uh, I think anyone who's a big fan of yours will be looking forward to that. Uh, we are going to have to rack, wrap up really quickly. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for taking your time out of your really busy schedule to connect. I think it's hilarious that you guys are now in Baltimore when I just left Baltimore. Um, <laughs> just one for the permanent one just, but just just one <laughs> uh okay so we got a, we got we got you guys from everywhere uh thank you guys Locrion and everyone go check out new catastrophism and that's going to be on Bandcamp Spotify all of that thank um you, I will say bye to you guys thanks Elena and, um, hopefully we'll stay in contact yeah sounds great all right.